Today yeah. on the News and Why It Matters, we've got uh, joining us special guest, author Kevin Williamson, yeah. author of The Smallest Minority. Whoop, whoop. Uh, also coming up, Chris Cuomo. He drops some F-bombs. Oh, he's not on? If he's on, I'm leaving. No, he's not on. No, but okay. Kevin has his cell phone number, and I think we should call him. <laughs> that would be really a really fun experiment. Uh, Chris Cuomo dropping F-bombs all over the place. We'll get into that. Also, Hong Kong, what's going on over there and why it should matter to you. Got a lot coming up, and it starts right now. Welcome to the News and Why It Matters. I am Sarah Gonzalez. Before we get into the conversation, I want to thank our sponsor, realestateagentsitrust.com. Glenn, this is your company. Yeah, this is my company that I started a few years ago, probably five or six years ago. Uh, I'd had trouble selling my house. My wife and I were, they just kept saying, the real estate agent kept saying to us, well, we're going to have another opening. We'll blow up some balloons. And I'm like, balloons are not, that, that's not a plan to sell a house. Balloons shouldn't be your plan. Uh, and so we started realestateagentsitrust.com because I started working with about um, this group in the 500 best real estate agents in the country, according to the Wall Street Journal. I was working with about 50 of them. And I started asking them, so how do you find a good real estate? What should you do? So we started doing that for people, and all we do is we just matchmake. Um, we know where the best people are. We know who the best people are in your area who can price your house right, sell your house. Their plan is more than balloons. Uh, it's <laughs> balloons and cookies. <laughs> well, yeah. 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 Oh, now see, now you've, <laughs> now you've blown the whole, <laughs> you've blown the whole thing. The whole business model's yeah. out there. <laughs> right. Realestateagentsitrust.com. That's realestateagentsitrust.com. Uh, all right, so Chris Cuomo. Yeah. He got into it. Uh, he was out in New York with his family. Now, I will say I've heard conflicting reports. One, I heard that it was his wife and kids there, uh, or at least the daughter. Another, I heard that the children were not present. Obviously, we don't know which one this is This looks true. like he's under a big top, though. Yeah, it looks it like it's at the New York Circus. It, it does. Which they do in, in the summer. Or Whataburger. Probably not in New York, no, though. Okay. Probably not. Uh, so, but apparently he was, you know, of course, provoked uh, by some gentlemen who were calling at him at this. I, I don't want to say it. It's a very offensive. Fredo, uh, I'll oh. say. <gasps> All right. We got to get the censor up yeah, in there. No, by the time for I'm, I'm married into a very, Ita very Italian, very Italian family. They're not, they're, they're not freaking out about Fredo, okay? They're not. Everybody knows who Fredo is. If you're Fredo, you don't like being called Fredo. Mm -hmm. If you're not Fredo, you don't care. Well, can apparently... We, can we call this a controversy, Alfredo? No. Oh. <laughs> apparently, uh, Fred, I mean, Chris Cuomo did not like being called uh, Fredo. He had some things to say. Watch. I thought, that, I, thought, I thought that's who you were. No, punk-ass bitches from the right call me Fredo. My name is Chris Cuomo. I'm an anchor on CNN. Oh, you're much Fredo is from the Godfather. He was that weak brother. Isn't that your and brother? And he used though? it as an Italian aspersion. Any of you Italian? Oh, you I Italian? Got, I got a little it's an insult to your people. It's an insult to your people. It's like the N-word for us. Is that, is that a cool for us. thing? You're a much more reasonable guy in person than you seem to be on television. <laughs> <laughs> if you want to play, you want to play. If you've got something you want to say about what I do on television, then say it. But don't be the fault of your Hey, listen. What? what? I don't want any problems. Yeah, you're going to have a big problem. What's the problem? It's a little different on TV. Don't insult me like that. I didn't insult you. Call me Fredo. It's like I call you punk bitch. You like that? 
You want that to be your nickname? I didn't call you that. I you called me Fredo. I you know my name's not Fredo. I thought your name was. You did not think my name was Fredo. Don't be a liar. I thought you want to be a man, stand up like a man. I'm standing up, man. You want to be a man out here? Then own what you said. Hey, then own what you said. Listen, take him out. What's wrong with you, man? You're gonna have a problem. What? What are you gonna do about it? I'll ruin you. I'll throw you down these stairs like a punk. Please do. Why? So you don't want to do that. So you can sue. Well, why don't you do it? Go take a swing. You want to call me Fredo? Take a swing. Take a swing. Watch hands. Take a swing. Watch your this guy. Take a swing. No, no, come on, boy. Come on, boy. So you want to call me? Call me. Hey, listen, man. I'm not doing anything. Wreck your. Uh, overreaction. Can you imagine? Can you remember one of the reasons why I finally said I'm moving from New York is because my family, we were watching Hitchcock in the park. Um, we were at the New York Public Library right on the back lawn uh, and we were watching it. My daughters and I wanted to see it for forever. We had talked for years about going. We just never went. I went. They they threw wine at my wife. They tweeted about it. They mocked us. They hid us. Um, the, my children and my wife were yelled at, called all kinds of names, just going to the restroom. We don't want your kind here. I finally got up. Uh, you know, we stayed. We watched the movie. It didn't, I didn't say anything about it. Finally, at the end, when we got up, people applauded that we were leaving. <laughs> and I said... I can't believe you're adults. Mm -hmm. I can't believe you're adults. And walked away. I had one security guard with me when it started. I had six by the end. They kept calling them in, okay? Mm -hmm. So hostile. Can you imagine if I would have reacted like that, oh what would have been said about me? Oh, my <laughs> gosh. Well, in a sense, there's some good news there, though. Like, if, if anyone's ever actually been in a, you know, a bar fight or something like that, the guy who starts saying, take a swing, yeah. you're safe. That guy's not going to hit you. Yeah. The guy who's yeah. going to hurt you is the guy who doesn't say anything. Yeah. Right, you know, right. Who just like, gets real right. quiet all of a sudden, and then so, it's a problem. But there's a couple of things about this. I don't have, I have sympathy. People have to stop doing this. Stop treating people like cartoon characters, especially when they are with their families. Their families don't have anything to do with it. Stop it. Leave people alone. Um, with that being said, welcome to the club, Chris. <laughs> welcome to the club. This is what conservatives have gone through. And, con and liberals and people like Chris Cuomo have supported or silently condoned when they were telling people, go in and and tell them they got to get out of the restaurant. Go in. Look at how many people have done it. You see Chris Cuomo? Was he raising the banner saying, hey, this has got to stop? I don't have sympathy for him, but I do for his family because I've gone through it before. Well, uh, not only has he um, said, you know, go in and... and or he has condoned going in and pushing back against yeah. uh, Trump and, and his administration. But, Stu, um, he also was very critical of uh, Nick Sandman for standing <laughs> for in silence. Did a lot better job <laughs> He than was Chris being did. provoked. Um, I will say a, t a message to the kids. Uh, don't do steroids. Uh, roid rage is real, <laughs> as you see right there. Because, um, I mean, that is psychotic behavior. Like, I think there is a legitimate... Psychotic. There's yeah. been a bunch of conservatives who have said, like, look, you know... You gotta leave this guy alone. It's not cool, which is totally true. It's not totally cool. true. He handled it 
he was the worst. He was worse than the people who actually antagonized him there. I mean, that's a psychotic way to handle any situation. And that's essentially what he does on the show every night. It's just, it just that's him in person doing. He's it. just an angry guy. Yeah, really yeah. angry. Out of completely, that's that's completely out of control, right? Yeah. I mean, that that is the type of behavior that's that like if Alec, Alec Baldwin, Baldwin right? Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we're done. We're done for today. Yeah. <laughs> that is. That is. I mean, yeah. like if Alec Baldwin does that, it's on, on every single tabloid, and yeah. he is being followed around, antagonized so, by the media to get another reaction like that, they may start doing that with Cuomo. If they know they can get that out of you, this isn't going to stop. I understand kind of why Alec Baldwin gets so upset about it. A little bit Cuomo here because people are breaking New York rules. You know, you're not supposed to talk to celebrities in New York. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And because it's based on the absolutely really? true, I didn't, I didn't the absolutely true New York assumption that every man in New York thinks he's the most important person in the room <laughs> yeah. and it would be beneath him to go talk to mm-hmm. someone just because they're famous. Yeah. So let me ask you this because I think this is the most disturbing <laughs> Thing that happened today in regards to this. The president tweeted, should he get a red flag? If Should we give him a gun? Would Chris Cuomo be given a red flag for his recent rant? Filthy language, total loss of control. He shouldn't be allowed to have any weapon. He's nuts. Uh, I'm not for red flags. I'm not for that at all. And the president is not, I don't think is being cute uh, and sarcastic here. He is actually making the point. Yeah. This is the perfect example of somebody that should be given a red flag and shouldn't have the right to buy a gun. Because like a, mm, a yeah. Second Amendment ac- activist who comes out and is against red flag laws and is being a wise ass is kind of how, when I first saw that tweet, I initially took it. Like, right? Like, you're just being, oh, yeah, well, maybe this guy, this guy's crazy, too. Right. But this is the guy who's pushing for these laws. Yeah. This is the guy who is telling America we need them. And he's, he's coming. He's the guy who said also this week... Was it this week or last week that he believes he can convince his supporters mm-hmm. that the time is now for these changes? That's really dangerous. You know, what I don't get about the red flag stuff is that, um, so I've argued that this represents suspending someone's constitutional rights without due process. And people like my colleague David French have said, well, we do that with, for instance, involuntary commitments. I get it. So if that's the pattern and the precedent, why not actually use the involuntary commitment process as the red flag process? If you think someone actually is a danger to themselves or the public, why make it about the guns? I mean, make it about the person who's a danger, right? Correct. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, a, it's just a, another backdoor thing for people who are just culturally uncomfortable with firearms. And I'm really uncomfortable. I mean, you just talk about commitment. Every, every country that goes awry, they use psychiatry as their way to silence their enemies. The, the Soviet Union in what was it, 1978, had 4.5 million people in their crazy houses. And most of them were there because they didn't believe in Marxism. Mm-hmm. A whole uh, chapter in a book about that. Mm. But not this book. You, not this uh, book. Not this book. <laughs> <laughs> Which book? Well, there's a little bit, uh, the socialism book. Well, there's a little bit in this book about it, not to do book plugging right now. But, um, yeah, the, the history of the misuse of medical authorities and psychiatric authorities is just... It's just endemic to to totalitarian. And let me tell you something. These are the people right now. The medical authorities are the ones that are telling us that men can have periods. Which one of us is crazy? That's a great point. Uh, Wrapping up Chris Cuomo before we move on. So, of course, the CNN spokesperson uh, said, you know, we fully support him. Uh, because he, there was an eth- ethnic slur used against oh, him. Oh, it's so not an ethnic slur. Navarro used that ethnic slur on Chris Cuomo's show. Interesting in the last you would say that. Oh, we happen oh, to have that clip. Let's watch. <laughs> I was reading Charlie Cook Look, on that. First of all, 
uh, zoos maybe have fences to protect the animals from people like Donald Trump Jr. who like to shoot them. But you know, at the end of the day, <laughs> Donald Trump Jr. and whatever he says, can I, can I just file my nails? I mean, this Good is problem. an entitled, rich, spoiled little brat who's only called to fame as being his daddy's son, who hasn't built anything of his own, who hasn't done anything of his own, who is somehow trying to hang on to the fame of his father in order to have some level of relevancy. Steve is right. He didn't even make the cut that his brother-in-law and sister did to be part of the uh, Oval Office and the White House staff. Uh, daddy kept... Fredo back home. So mm. who cares uh -oh. what Donald Trump Jr. says? Who cares what Donald Trump Jr. says? I quite a bit. I didn't I didn't hear a censor. They didn't I know. censor when she said that. He also didn't follow it up. He didn't respond, yeah. but he also didn't follow it up with, hey, hey, that's mm -hmm. a racial slur. Mm -hmm. yeah. Which then, you would think he would. You know, Fredo is a as a term for someone who's weak and part of a powerful family. It's just it's so done. It's so tired. Yeah. I liked it better when I was calling the Trump guys Ude and Kuse. <laughs> oh, <no>. <laughs> <laughs> we gotta take a break back in a minute i love how she's like oh well his only claim to fame is being his daddy's son well at least he has an identifiable claim to fame what is anna navarro's claim to fame now she is the mccain campaign Before we get back into the conversation, I want to thank our sponsor. We've got a new sponsor today, NetSuite. Um, so being a small business owner, uh, I know personally that if you don't know your numbers, you really don't know your business. And the problem that, you're ha that you have as you're growing your business that keeps you from really understanding your numbers is you've got this hodgepodge of business systems. So you've got you know, one system for accounting and then one system for sales, one system for inventory. It's impossible. Maybe some of it's just on a bunch of spreadsheets that you can't find when you need them, something like that. Not that I've ever had a problem like that. Really? No. Maybe, 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 maybe. maybe your system is just like, hey, Bill, <laughs> Are we okay? That's a bad one. That's a bad system. That's, that's a bad not system. what you want either. It's yeah. not going to grow your business. Right. Uh, so you've got this big inefficiency, and it's just taking up too many resources. And as a small business, you know, you can't, you don't have time to be dealing with that. You don't have a giant HR department. Uh, so... Might I recommend that you try NetSuite by Oracle? It is the business management software that handles every aspect of your business in an easy-to-use cloud platform. It gives you the visibility and control you need to grow your business. So you can save time, money, and unneeded headaches by managing sales, finance, accounting, HR, everything, right from your desktop or phone. Isn't technology wonderful? It I is. love technology. Uh, that is why NetSuite is the world's number one cloud business system. Right now, NetSuite is offering you a valuable insights with free guide, seven key strategies to grow your profits. You can go to netsuite.com slash why. That is netsuite.com slash why. Go there now to download your free guide, seven key strategies to grow your profits. Uh, all right, so Hong Kong is uh, really heating up, has heated up in the last few days. I know that they had these protests that started in, what, June over the extradition bill, um, but in recent days, what, it's gotten really happening, scary. What's happening in uh, Hong Kong is going to be happening for the next 40 years, if it lasts that long, because they are changing hands. Mm -hmm. I mean, they don't belong to uh, Great Britain anymore. They belong to China. And part of that deal was they're going to slowly implement these laws. Well, the people in Hong Kong don't like it. 
Um, I wouldn't like it. None of us would like it. What's really sad is I'm watching these people. And, you know, if you watch and you'll see a lot of the green lasers everywhere, they're trying to they're trying to freak out the facial recognition uh, system so they can't track them. But they're all going to be tracked They're, I mean, I feel like we're watching something that we know the ending to no one in the world. They they did this great. They had this great moment yesterday where they sang the American national anthem, holding American flags. It's right here. We, we don't. Our our NFL won't do that. <laughs> they were doing it to try to get Americans to wake up and say, "Hey, we got to stop this." But our stock market was down, so Donald Trump decided to back off trade restrictions. The same day this is happening, we're putting our uh, we're we're letting our foot off of the the trade restrictions a bit which is a separate story i'm against the trade restrictions but it just shows you we're not going to do anything and if we don't do something no one will we're watching dead people yeah still you want to weigh in i mean it feels like one of these stories uh, we've had this with iran before um iraq as well look where there's been these uh, times where people have risen up and they've taken on the totalitarian uh government and we've kind of stood back and said oh, I, I hope they do well you know it'll be great Pulling. um yeah i mean there's been many cases like this and i feel like we always have that talking point it develops two or three years later where everyone's like remember when they had we had this opportunity and they were all rising up and we didn't do anything it feels like we're there in that moment right now and you know, I mean, it's tough. I mean, if I'm if I'm a resident of Hong Kong, you have this situation where you are not you don't have to deal with all all of the nonsense of China right now. And but I mean, if they continue to protest like this, China is going to crack down and make this into just China. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that is really bad for the economy and not to mention for the people. It's really horrible for the people. You know, how do you deal with this, though? I mean, I mean, obviously you support them. Maybe, maybe we're doing things behind the scenes. I'm always hopeful for that type of uh, situation. <laughs> <Nope>. But. <laughs> I was just in Hong Kong, actually, uh, in July, and it's a lovely, uh, wonderful place. There's um, a great sense of uh, possibility and, and affluence and prosperity there. And the one thing that really jumps out that you think about is that you know the, the guys in Beijing don't deserve to govern a place like that, but the truth is they don't really deserve to govern the rest of China either because they are brutes and butchers. But I think you're right. We're not likely to do anything about it. I remember a time not that long ago when conservatives used to care about things like Taiwan, mm-hmm. and I sort of suspect that Taiwan's gone. China could march into Taiwan tomorrow, and the United oh, States would yeah. send them a strongly worded letter. <laughs> yeah, we're, we, we're not in a position with China to do anything. I'm reading a, a great book on China right now on their tech. Um, they're much farther ahead than we think, and you know they're. We've always looked at China as they just rip things off and so they can't really innovate. That's not true. It's not true. It used to be true, but they have ripped things off to bring them up to speed. Now they are starting to innovate and they're, they're ripping our stuff off and making some of these things, I'm talking about online, making some of these things much better because they understand their market much more than we do. Um, I, I just, the world is in real trouble with China. Real trouble. Our policy discussion on China is always five to ten years behind the facts. Yes. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. I think you're right about that, that we assume that they're still this backward imitation economy when they're really something they're very different now. Yeah. By 2020, 2025, we will pay the price for treating them as, as, as foolish um, 
con artists or rip-off artists. What do you think the disconnect is between, you know, Americans who are seeing all of this go on right now in Hong Kong, but who still think that it's a good idea to, you know, hand over your freedoms to big government? Uh, I don't I don't know. I, I mean, you know, you, you'll hear, you know, Bernie and all of these people talk about how bad the government is and how, you know, dictatorial we are. And then they'll talk about growing the size of government. So and I also handing over your guns. Yeah, and hand over your guns. I mean, it, it doesn't make any sense. There is no logic in today's world. Um, I think Hong Kong Americans don't. I, I think Americans don't care. Um, if they really watched it and had somebody really explain it, I think they would care, but they would do exactly the same thing. I don't know. What do we do about that? Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Do you agree still? Yeah. I mean, you know, it's, it's fascinating to see the direction we're going as we have these windows into the other options all around the world, right? Between Hong Kong, which is going on now. I mean, these guys are rising up and singing our national anthem and, and, and praising the They built another Statue of Liberty. Yeah. It's like they did in Tian, uh, Tiananmen Square. Yeah. These I, are the people we want in our country. Yeah. And then you have Venezuela being a similar thing where, like, you have an entire society. Here are options. Like, Here's your, you know, your menu, and we're seeing the other things on the menu all melt down, but we just want to reject what we have so badly and move towards those things, and I just do not get it. Uh, So, Teen Vogue. (laughs) I know you guys are avid readers of Teen Vogue, yes? Subscriber. Okay, good. Well, Teen Vogue has uh, given a very, very important lesson for all of their readers, their teen readers, uh, concerning how to get an abortion if you're a teen. They posted this on Snapchat. Um, and so if we could just go through the, uh, if you're, imagine this, you're 16, you're pregnant and you don't want to be, okay. Uh, how you can go about, uh, having access to abortion should be your right, regardless of your parents' beliefs. Unfortunately, not every state legislature agrees, but we here at Teen Vogue are here to tell you that. So the first step is knowing your state's rules when it comes to parental consent. Hmm, let's say your state's law does require that your parents are involved. Well, you know your parents best, and if you feel their reactions might be uh, hostile, hostile, you should act accordingly. Regardless, it's always best to tell your parents as long as you feel safe. No matter what your parents' abstract views are, <laughs> they might behave far more tenderly when their own child needs access to abortion care. Aww. That's very sweet. Uh, there is another legal option in many states that would let you get an abortion without parental ap- approval called judicial judicial bypass procedure, but it takes time and involves testifying before a judge. In any case, you can also contact your local abortion fund if you need help paying for it on your own. That's this very is tender. Teen Vogue just saying, look at me, look at me. Please, yeah. please, we, we have no money. Look at me, look at me. <laughs> They're just a tw- like, it's just a magazine at this point, which is just a giant Twitter troll. Like they, I swear every every one of these stories is just designed to get people all upset about it. Um, I just I love the there's this weird thing where they <laughs> that abortion activists do where they're like, well, it's going to take time. You'd have to talk to a judge. You know, you'd have to drive up to 45 minutes. And it's like, oh, I'm sorry for the freaking inconvenience here. I mean, I know you're ending a life, but I mean, you know, a whole conversation and a drive. Wow. Can't Amazon Prime that. Yeah. Yeah. I need my abortion within an hour. Yeah. Kevin. Uh, I like the Orwellian language, you know, how abortion has become abortion care. That's, uh, that's very interesting and worthwhile. Um, the other thing is that if you pierced a 14-year-old girl's ears or gave her a tattoo uh, without her mm. parents' consent or something like that, you would probably go to jail. You would certainly lose your business license. Um, in the context of, irrespective of the, the question of abortion itself, of 
providing medical services to minors outside of their parents' uh, review seems to me like a fairly obvious one, um, given the where the rest of our laws tend to be on, on issues like that. And this is just another you know, example of the sort of special pleading for a sacrosanct version of abortion. Yeah. All right. Back in a minute. I love that your parents abstract views. Yeah. Were you abstractly pregnant? <laughs> Uh, in case you didn't hear earlier, Kevin, he's got a book out that you really, really need to get. It's called really the, funny. the Smallest Minority. I, you know, it's funny. You come on here and you're so incredibly smart. Mm. And people don't like, <laughs> they agree. forget, right. they don't realize that you're actually really funny. Yeah, I, I hope so. Um, yeah, the book is sort of an unusual book for me in the sense that... Um, I wrote it in the filthy way I talk in private, <laughs> and uh, so it's not, not one for the kids, but um, it's a little splenetic, but I think funny, but uh, a serious point about our inability to rise above the team sports aspects of politics and culture and deal with one another as individuals and citizens. Um, did you send a copy to Chris Cuomo? I think we did, actually. <laughs> okay, he needs to read it, the smallest minority. Maybe what pissed him off. It's, it's you know, it's autographed to your Fredo. <laughs> Up next, enjoy bonus overtime content from the news and why it matters. Available exclusively for podcast listeners and Blaze TV subscribers. Not a subscriber? Start your free trial at blazetv.com. So, Sarah Silverman. Yes. She is getting eaten by her own. It's sad. It's, it, it, it is sad. It is yeah. sad, Stu. You, you are particularly uh, knowledgeable on this story. I like Sarah Silverman, actually. She's actually very funny. Uh, people don't know that because she's also very annoying at times. Um, so, like, it's one of those things that kind of overwhelms. I think she's actually really talented. Uh, she was, you know, I go back to Mr. Show uh, with Bob and David on HBO with, you know, watching her and um, she's been around for a while and she's actually really, really funny. Um, or at least can be. She has an, an, an interesting situation with Bill Simmons, though, um, who she's known for a long time. She went on his podcast, and they talked about sort of the cancel culture, um, which we're all very familiar with uh, here. Uh, and he, you know, she ha she's right. Her points are right. It's just so hard to take from someone who, in my view, has been in the middle of this, like the middle of creating. Like, they create these structures, and then when they collapse on top of them, it's 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 so... It like really rips you apart, I think, as a conservative to uh, to try to figure out, do I jump on and be happy and celebrate this or point out that this is wrong? Like she's she's completely right. She should not have been fired for this. I don't know how much clips we have, but if we want to go through a couple of them, she does explain the story pretty well. Really scary. And it's it's Talking like a, cancer, it's a very culture. odd thing that's invaded the left primarily and then the right will mimic it in in it you know kind of like oh this isn't okay then we're gonna say we're offended by this but yeah i see it on the left mm -hmm. like this cancel culture that to i call it righteousness porn yeah you know where it's like if you're not on board if you say the wrong thing if you had a tweet once if you would ever you know everyone is like throwing the first stone, you know, whatever, uh, you know, it's so odd. And it's, it's really 
it's a perversion. I see it as a perversion, really. You know what I mean? It's it's really, you know, it's um. look how righteous I am. And now I'm going to press refresh all day long to see how many likes I get in my righteousness. This is playing this clip. I'm like, Kevin has no experience with this at all. I can't think of it. Well, I remember how Sarah Silverman came to my defense. Oh, yes. Yeah, so, she oh. was really stand up on, on that issue. Mm-hmm. Uh, a great reminder there that a lot of entertainers are not good when they don't have lines written yeah. for them. Even if she does write her own lines often. Still better when she works them out in advance. <laughs> Although I agree, she's she's an awfully gifted person. When she's good, she's just just really terrific. But um, she's sort of the Taylor Swift of what she does in that you know she's wrapped up in this um, sanctimony and yeah. um, which is sort of poisonous, I think. Um, yeah, the whole thing of whether conservatives should embrace this as Schadenfreude or uh, be consistent and principled about it, I suppose um, it seems to me obvious we should do the latter. Because Schadenfreude is—it's um, a short-term uh, high, yeah. but it's not really a very good long-term investment, I don't think. And I wish that uh, conservatives would actually um, be even more vocal than they have been about this when it comes to people on the left, and they have from time to time. Yeah. Uh, a lot of conservatives, uh, including Glenn and some other folks, have some very good uh, have very good records on this sort of thing. But um, it's something we could afford to do consistently, I think. Yeah, and I understand the split. I mean, it does feel good. Like, there's part of me that just wants to be like, hey, you set up this thing, and now it's burning you. What a surprise, because she talks later, maybe we can go to that last clip in a minute, where she talks about getting fired. But, like, the idea of a double standard, right, is, like, there's two ways you can go with it, right? Like, if you go, and I think conservatives all too often these days say, well, it's a double standard. There was an unfair fair standard put on me. And so now I have a choice. Am I going to put the? Uh, am I going to codify that horrible standard and use it on you? So now everyone's using it, and that's the way the game is played. Or am I going to say no? When you attacked me, it was wrong. Here's what's right. And I think so often now we just codify the standard and say, well, let's just play by these really crappy rules that we all agreed last week were terrible. And that just I don't. That's just a constant. You know, it's a snowball going downhill that just gets bigger and bigger. And it's why I think this this gets more and more awful for performers, especially comedians who should have the widest berth of anyone to say anything. I mean, like I, you know, everyone should obviously, but still, it's like with comedians especially. Like, you know, she get she got in trouble because she wore blackface on an episode of her show, the Sarah Silverman show, which was on the mid two thousands, which was very funny at times. Mm-hmm. Um, but like, the point of the sketch was. Uh, completely in line with every woke point about racism that would be out there today. She just did it in a really, you know, controversial way to make the point. And you got the point if you watch the show. Um, You know, we see this happen with, you know, shows like It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia now who do very similar things. And it's really an effective way to make a point. It really is. Uh, She comes out and she calls herself out on her next show and says, you know, I did this show a while ago. I still agree with the points, but I shouldn't have done that. And I want to talk about it. And after that, years later, she's getting fired from jobs, even though she called herself out before anyone else did. Yeah, it's it's a ritual thing. You know, Um, there's nothing substantive to it. Everyone knows that whatever Sarah Silverman's defects as a human being are, she's not acting out of racial animus. Mm -hmm. You know, she is not Robert K. Byrd. No. Um, or someone like that. Um, <laughs> Very good example. Well, well, I'll take one good example. And um, it's off the top of my head, one I think about from time to time. But um, it's, well, there is this thing that happens in a particular visual way, and therefore this is the thing that we go after. The same thing with, you know, sort of unholy words and things like that. There are times when people have written racial slurs, like Mark Twain, um, that are put in the mouths of characters who are racist characters, but the point of the book was not to advance 
a racist point of view. If anything, the point of the book was, was something else. But people uh, focus on those particular things, and partly because people are dumb and unimaginative, but partly because they're just looking for something to be upset about and uh, looking for something to pour out their hostility on. The problem, of course, is that um, I was thinking of that CNN photographer, the photo editor, got fired a while back because he had tweeted some really awful anti-Semitic stuff when he was a teenager growing up in Turkey. Hmm. Um, a lot of teenagers in the Middle East have some pretty odd views about some of those things. and But firing someone for something they wrote uh, when they were a teenager in Turkey, yeah, I might want to ask him, well, what do you think about that sort of thing now? Yeah. Um, do you still have those views? Uh, but when you do that, then what you get from these same people is, well, you're defending anti-Semitism. Right. Well, no, I'm not, actually. But um, And she sort of made that point. I think. She said on her show she had, I don't remember the guy's name, but someone who was a reformed, legitimate skinhead. He was mm. a skinhead at one time, and he was on the show with her talking about this. I, you know, I th- now I know I realize I was terribly wrong. And she's like, isn't that the goal? And this happened with Kevin Hart when he was going to host the Oscars. Like, take the, just go from the woke's point of view. He was tweeting things that you see were, you know, uh, homophobic five years ago. And in the interim, before he got any pressure, he said, you know what, I wish I didn't have those things anymore. You know, those jokes, they're wrong. And then years after that, when he's had no record and he's cleaned up his act, in your view, then you punish him and get him thrown off the Oscars. It's like, well, what was your goal there? She, she points it out well, I thought, and I hadn't thought about it this way. It's like, do you want to actually make the pers- help the person come along to your point of view? Do you want to improve them? Mm-hmm. Or, and this is certainly in the book, it's like you want them to be the enemy. You want to have that thing over them so you can praise yourself. Right. The other thing, and I do get into this to a great extent in that little book I wrote, is that um, it's not about the individuals. It's about the institutions. You know, getting someone fired by Google isn't about, well, there's this guy named James Damore and we want to kick him around. It's about, look, we can make Google chomp. Mm. And, you know, getting Kevin Hart fired from the Oscars isn't about Kevin Hart, who no one really cares about all that much, I don't think. Uh, it's, look, we can make the Academy do what we want. Look, we can make the New York Times rewrite a headline. Uh, look, we're the editor of The Atlantic now. Look, you know, we can, yeah. we can control Apple and Facebook and everyone else. And that's what this is really about. It's yeah. not about the individuals are just props. It does feel like it's like it's an attempt to wake up in the morning and feel something. Right? Like, yeah. I, I've, I've done something with my day. I think that's know? exactly what it is. I think yeah, that it's sad. Uh, people are lonely and alienated and they get a sense of belonging and meaning. The illusion of having participated in something important. Kevin, do you think that eventually the pendulum is going to have to swing back the other way because it's everyone, no one will be able to exist in society, right? Everyone's done something wrong when, they're, when they were younger. Yeah. Well, it's sort of like, you know, I remember uh, people talking about when Bill Clinton was running for president, he had smoked marijuana and he did this dumb thing about, well, I didn't inhale. <laughs> and I was thinking, by the time I get ready to run for president, it's going to be like, you better if I gave you a list of the stuff I didn't do <laughs> when I was in college. Oh, that would take a little less time, I think. But, um, or after college. But um, I think people participate in these mob scenes uh, because they're entertaining and it gives them a sense of being involved in something important. Um, but I think the entertainment value of that eventually wears off and people will begin to realize they're not getting the satisfaction out of it that they thought they were going to and people probably will move on to some other form Probably something even worse and more hideous and more stupid. Um, I think they'll probably move on from that. I want to have optimism on this. I remember, you know, we went through this, the whole birth of this culture doing conservative talk radio. And I remember the first time we got, uh, we got a, um, you know, like it was like a media matters alert that Glenn said something bad. And it was, we had Colin Powell on the air. We're talking to Colin Powell. 
And they're like, Colin Powell goes on this show of this maniac. And here's all the things he said in the past. And the first time it happens, you're like, holy crap. Like, what did we do? And, and like, the advertisers are calling and wondering, like, we just got 10 calls. We haven't had 10 calls, uh, you know, opposing or yelling about a product at all. And now we're getting 10 in one day. Something must be really wrong. Yeah. And I remember thinking, you know, when you take a moment and you sort of calm down, the thing passes. And you're thinking to yourself, well, these companies aren't morons, right? They're going to realize these are just organized efforts eventually and because they're getting these calls all the time. And it never happened. There was never a point in which co companies were like, you know what? We just get the emails from the same 20 people over and over and over <laughs> again. Maybe we shouldn't pay any attention to this. It's gone the complete opposite way. Now you can have bots tweeting the same exact message over and over and over and over again. And they act as if these people were ever buying their products but it just it doesn't seem to change. It gets worse and worse and worse. So I have no optimism. Marketing <laughs> marketing is the journalism department mm -hmm. of the corporation. You know, it doesn't get the best and brightest. Mm -hmm. uh, marketing, and, <laughs> marketing and human resources tend to be staffed by morons, even at big, important companies, and people who are docile and easily scared. That's why they work in human resources and marketing instead of selling or doing something, you know, useful with their lives. <laughs> like, wow. like, like writing columns. You right, know. yeah, that's what um, you need. <laughs> and yeah, I, they're, they're not imaginative, they're not very smart, and it's easy to push them around. And that's the thing, that's really the crazy thing about the left now choosing to make corporations the arbiters of what's politically acceptable and using employment as a discipline for that because essentially what we're going to do is that the human resources department at Google is going to be setting worldwide standards on acceptable political discourse, which is nuts. Nuts. No way that would ever be acceptable to, I mean, every other left leaning person I've ever known in my entire life, but now it's the thing. They were against corporate power until they got a good taste of it. Yeah. Mm. Uh, all right, yesterday's poll question, do you believe Jeffrey Epstein killed himself or are you suspicious that there's more to the story? 93% no of you said there's more to the story. And then 7% of you said that he did in fact kill himself. Kevin, you were not with us yesterday. I was not. Would you like to dip your toe in uh, any sort of theories? Yeah, I think that this poll is a good reminder of why democracy doesn't really work very well. It's <laughs> <laughs> a fair point. Because people like conspiracy theories. People just love conspiracy theories. Well, yeah, it's one of these things. I mean, we talked about it a little bit yesterday, but like, like we're going to have, like, the people who are thinking that Bill Clinton is involved in this, like, Donald Trump is controlling the organization who's investigating it. So at the very least, shouldn't you at least wait for them to come out with something? Like, let's find out what the Department of Justice says, what actually happened. What does the evidence say? At least we can wait till that, right? Yeah. No, apparently not. <laughs> we can all count on Donald Trump to be above board in all of this. Oh, 100%. <laughs> but I mean, if you're, if you're in the Clinton body count hashtag world, you probably are going to trust Trump. And it's like... You know, they're going to do an investigation. He's got the power of the government right there at his hands. He can investigate this all he wants. But that's how conspiracy theories work, is that lack of evidence is evidence is for evidence. conspiracy. It's yeah. just bigger. They're yeah. just hiding it. They're just hiding it. All right, today's poll. Do you agree with Chris Cuomo <laughs> that Fredo yeah. is the N-word for <laughs> Italian? I didn't realize, too, that Cuomo's been doing this N-word thing with a lot of different... Like, he said the same thing about fake news is the N-word for journalists. Right, yeah. Which, so I, this is a big, like, thing for him. I don't remember him saying that. Yeah, Come we'll on. have to find that clip. We'll have to find that clip. It really just puts me on that is that as someone who's kind of a conservative on language matters, we have perfectly good ethnic slurs for Italians. Right. have <laughs> been around for a long time. Yeah, yeah. If you want one, they're, they're right There's, there in the lexicon. Yes. You can Google all day and find them. That's true. I've never, I mean... 
Except I've never heard. You can't really be offended by that, right? He can't really be offended by Fredo like that much. He's no, just he, a roid raging guy that's t- someone's yelling stuff at him. So he's going over and he's being a tough guy. And that's the world he lives in. And he tries to push people around. And he does the same thing on the show. Mm-hmm. And he thinks when he's not on camera, he can walk up to two nobodies and say whatever he wants to them. Yeah. And it is really hard to have <laughs> Really hard to have any sympathy for him. Uh, yeah, I mean, I will say, you know, it does at least prove his insecurity at being called Fredo, right? Uh, Which is pretty Fredo of him if you think about it. This stuff is why when That's I used fair. to do Twitter, I loved Twitter after about 8 o'clock. Oh, yeah. Because a lot of public figures, some, for some reason, later in the evening. Yeah. <laughs> I can't imagine why can't after dinner. They, they let their hair down a little bit. Yeah. And they start Drinking to, water, I'm sure. They start to speak more openly. Yeah. And uh, it was always fun. <laughs> uh, let us know what you think. If this stupid, ridiculous movie character reference is now somehow an ethnic slur, let us know what you think by going to The Blaze's Twitter. That is at The Blaze. Kevin, once again, thank you for being here. Oh, always it's a pleasure. Always a pleasure for us as well, and we'll see you guys tomorrow. Thank you for being here, too, Stu. I mean, I was waiting. I just... But whatever. Wait till the music starts. <laughs> I'm still here. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you see the, the Washington Post. Thanks for listening to the news and why it matters. We hope you enjoyed the podcast. If you'd like to watch the program, become a Blaze TV subscriber and start your free trial now at blazetv.com.